Today on Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, Everything Now. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet. If this is your first time joining us, we are Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, the worst Arcade Fire podcast on the internet, the best Arcade Fire podcast on the internet, and the one and only Arcade Fire podcast on the internet, reviewing every single alphabetical, every single song alphabetically, one per episode. We are blasting out of a small recording studio at CITR, the campus radio station at the beautiful University of British Columbia, situated on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people in Vancouver, British Columbia. How you feeling, Owen? I'm feeling pretty good. It's yeah? a beautiful day out today. Oh, yesterday it was 29, we're having a heat wave, and today it's like a nice 22. Yeah, That's uh, Celsius for you American fans. Uh, before we get started, we've mentioned a couple times that we've made something fun. We want to involve and hear from you all. So if you go to our website, that's arcadefirealphabet.com, we have a polls tab at the top of the page. Given that we're uh, end of the C's and we're into the E's, we put a poll where you can pick your three favorite songs, A to C. And we'll leave it up. We'll finish. We'll take it down around the F's and we'll read the results in the air. When you have an optional bit on the bottom, if you want to justify your picks, why are those your fave? What's your least fave? Whatever you want. And... We haven't plugged our media in a while, so you can find us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at ArcadeFireAlphabet.com, iTunes or any podcast app at Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, Facebook.com slash ArcadeFireAlphabet. I'm on Twitter at AJPayende, that's A-J-P-A-Y-A-N-D-E-H, and Owen is on at Owen underscore Heaney. Or email us ArcadeFire.Alpha.com, uh, sorry, ArcadeFire.Alpha at gmail.com. And I got lost in all of that. Then I even say who we are. My name is Alex Payende, and beside me is... Owen Heaney. And uh, today on the podcast, Everything Now. How are you feeling about that, Owen? I know that you've been excited for this episode for the past... Basically since we started. Why we started. Yeah. I know, like, I think, what, you, for based on your reactions, I'd say this is your most anticipated episode. This chemistry in the suburbs have been your most... Anticipated yep. episodes. Yep. Uh, in terms of, I have so much to talk about and want to learn so much about them. Um, yeah, this is a pretty, uh, pretty big song. I've I've seen it live twice. Once with you at the Vancouver show in October, and I also saw it this past year at the Juno Awards. Uh, they opened the show, and in a very similar fashion to what we're going to get into later of how the na na nas came about. Before the show, Wynn came out and said, we're playing our song, Everything Now, and if you know it, we're going to start with a na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, and if you know it, we'd love if you sang with us. And it was great. Um, you got any basic facts, Owen? Yeah. Well, I was thinking, do you want to do, because we're going to talk about the chemistry music video that just came out, but it came out since we last talked about chemistry, so it's kind of like a re-up. Um, do you want to do that? Now, or do you want to do it? Or go go for it. Go, go for up. it. So, yeah, chemistry music video. In the theme of everything now. In the theme of everything now. It was released June 11th, 2018. So that was eight days for us right now. It was directed by Ray Tintori. And it's been getting, I'd say, a lot of flack. Like, it's been just panned online in general. Like, even worse than, I'd say, the song has been panned. And 
I just feel I for this reason I feel bad for my boy Ray Tintori because I liked the music video. I, I mean, do too. I my biggest problem with the music video is the song, and I don't think they go well together. And like, try I, I want I like to watch the video, but I I almost preferred it on mute rather mm. than with chemistry on it. And I think that's because like. Ray, Ray, like, he did a good job, our boy Ray Tintori. Because you look back at, like, the other music videos he's done. So he did he did MGMT's Big Three, right? He did Kids, Time to Pretend, and Electric Feel. And those are all music videos that I like a lot. We just saw them live last month, and those were all kind of featured in the backdrop of the show. And that was that was really cool. Yeah, so that's Ray. And then he also did uh, Spaceman by The Killers as well. Yeah. Which is, like, so I think that's, like, another one that's kind of, like, a little weird. It's a little out there. And I think that's what a lot of people didn't like about the chemistry video. They thought it was too out there, maybe. But the whole, I think the whole band's point on the song was it was, like, or the, the video was, it was supposed to be fun and, like, like funny. And, right? like, that's... Yeah, in the mood of the song. And I think that, like we were saying on the chemistry episode, a lot of people can't get past the song to kind of see what it's, what, what it is more. Like, I, I agree with people. Like, it's... It's almost un. I I mean, a lot of people online panned it. It's almost unbearable to make it through the video for me for this with the song. It's like not like not enjoyable, but I think the video itself is good and funny and just like chemistry just kind of ruins it. But I like it. And one thing we also realized is how much more we like the song when it's sped up to like one point two five or on your record player if you hit the forty five button and it's plays faster. It's like. It's so much more of a dance song because it's like it's much faster. The tempo's a lot higher and really gets you going. Um, I feel like if that's what it sounds like live, then I would really get behind that. And if that's the kind of thing he breaks out in those DJ Windows ninety eight uh, sets, I would really get behind it. Um, yeah, but enough chemistry. Yeah, I mean, we spent a whole episode talking about chemistry, so we can talk about something else now. Hmm. Like the basic what? facts for everything now, which I got right here. So it was released on June 1st, 2017. However, the day before, May 31st, 2017, at the Primavera Music Festival, they performed it live for the first time, and they also sold uh, vinyl. Uh, the 12-inch single. The 12-inch single, right? And uh, which the A-side was the song, and then the B-side was the instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um so this is the band's first number one hit on the Billboard charts in the adult alternative category. It took them 10 years from their first song on the Billboard to hitting number one. And I was looking just at an article and it said something like, Radiohead took 15 years from their first to their number one. And it was interesting. Like, you can just Google, like, Billboard, number one, everything now, and it'll come up. And uh, just talking about how long it took. And so Keep the Car Running was their first Billboard kind of charting hit. And this one was the first one to hit number one by Arcade Fire. So it is the 31st most played song. So it's been played at 94 live performances, which I think is actually pretty impressive because it was only released like just over a year ago so it just shows like how much they've been touring right mm-hmm. it's been played at every show they've done basically live since they released it so that just goes to show like this and this has been a year of touring for them right yeah and I, this is a top live song for me um and i think like of all the songs that they've been their staple show opener on different tours i think this is the big best one from like the boxing intro to Regine yelling everything now. And like, so I'm going to rattle off what they opened each tour with. Okay. So on funeral, they usually did wake up, which I think is much better as, a closer. as the set closer. Yeah. Although 
they did close within the backseat as the encore, which I think would be like, I, I think that'd be pretty cool if they went wake up and then it all kind of faded away to basically just Regine. Um, Neon Bible, Black Mirror. I think it sets the tone, but a darker tone. The Suburbs, Ready to Start, which is the most honest song name yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a show starter. Yeah. Um, but with I'd almost prefer if they went right into the suburbs on that. But, you know, on Reflector, Reflector. And those are all great, but I think Everything Now is the best, like, of all of the show openers they have that really set a tone for what their shows are like. I think this is the best one. It's super energetic. I think it gets the crowd going. Like, people know it. It was a number one hit. So I think, yeah, that's makes sense as, like, a big opener. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I was going to say, with the Radiohead and this, even, like, the Killers, who Mr. Brightside hasn't left the UK charts since it was released, but they didn't have a number one album on Billboard until this album. And it's just kind of that... I feel like it's, with them as well, it's the combination of new fans listening to them because they're, like quote-unquote indie rock bands they don't get the mainstream radio play so by the time they're this kind of advanced in their career and have that many fans they have like the original fans listening and new fans listening and both of those together push them to the number one whereas they might not have had before just by virtue of them not being pop bands which we'll get to in a bit but yeah so yeah no but like to continue on on this thread it is I've had a new basic fact that we haven't really been talking about before. It's the third most played song on their Spotify at Ah. 39.6 million What's one and two? One was Wake Up. Let me guess what number two is. Um, Sprawl 2. No, The Suburbs. And then third, Everything Now. And fourth was Rebellion Lies. Ah. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. And the most recent show was yesterday for us here when we are recording this currently. So it was yesterday, June 18th, 2018, at the Wienerstall Doll in Vienna. That is not how it's pronounced, but <laughs> we'll uh, thank you for bearing with, with us on that one. And they just played in Budapest too, which is my half of my heritage. And there was a show I could have been at, but alas, summer courses. Um, yeah. I got some more basic facts. Yeah. This, so it started off as a remix. Wynn said that he bought the record in a record store in London that Regine already knew from Hurrigan in college, a song by Francis Bebe called The Coffee Cola Song, which is where they got the... (laughs) How long did you practice that in your room (laughs) before you came in here? All week. Yeah, and he said that he'd been working on the remix so much that it became a new song, and after after months of kind of playing it, he kind of realized that it was a new song just because they never really worked with sampling before. And it eventually rolled into something more. And the na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na part was recorded live at the 2016 Voodoo Festival where Wynn sang the part to the audience and they sang back. And like, dang, if you were there, if you were part of that crowd and part of the record, we'd love to hear about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like that's... that's something you have over everyone else in the world is you're part of an arcade fire like the kind of thing like if they record your concert for a live video that's pretty cool but I feel like this is your on the record yeah yeah yeah. if you're rolling in like 0.001% record stale royalties we'd love to hear that fact um Any more basic facts Owen? I'll just talk about some added personnel to the story so 
on the synthesizer and also help, helped in producing is Thomas Bangletar of Daft Punk. Mm. So he's definitely had an influence on the sound, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, Steve McKay is also helped produce. He is of the band Pulp. Uh, the choir portion was done by the Harmonistic Praise Crusade, which is a choir group from New Orleans. And then the flute portion, which is actually what was recorded for this song, was actually done by Patrick Bebe, the son of Francis Bebe, ah. who uh, wrote the original Coffee Cola song and performed the original Coffee Cola song. I like so, that. Real family connection. I, I, there's a video I didn't I, I didn't watch yet, but it's of Regine and. Uh, Patrick Bebe and, and Leon, I think, performing together. Oh, dang. But, yeah, no, uh, that's, uh, do you want to talk about the video now or do you want to talk about it after? Um, I, I've got it after stuff. Yeah, I'm good with doing that after too. Okay, before we get into the lyrics though, I'm going to read an extended monologue that Wynn gave in an interview about the song, about the album. Okay, you ready? All Wynn. There are kids coming to our shows now that were three years old when Funeral came out, and so you get a really different energy depending on where people come into your back catalog. I mean, every record we've put out there has been in some way people say, oh no, they've completely lost it, they suck now. Initially, we played acoustically, then we played a show with a lot of electric guitars, and some of the initial superfans were like, what is this? I remember when we played Wake Up for the first time and seeing people leave the room because they were so disappointed in the song and the new direction of the band. So I kind of knew very early on that those people were not correct. You're not trying to make music to please everyone. You have to make music to please yourself. One of the most profound things I learned from David Bowie was that the only mistake he made was when he thought about his audience. What do you think about that? I thought it's really funny because those people who hated Wake Up, you just got to know it's like, wow, they're really hardcore demo fans, you know? Yeah, the EP. <laughs> EP. I, like, yeah, I, <laughs> that's... Uh, just goes when Josh Dur left the band, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hit my microphone. Yeah, no, I, I, I like what he's saying there, and I really agree with him. Just drawing comparisons to David Bowie's, I feel super accurate, mm-hmm. too, and just how his discography's kind of changed as he's went along. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, from sound to sound from each record he had, we think about, like, oh, David Bowie's an all-time great, um, and looking at, like, how he changed so much, we're not thinking, like, oh, he changed not the same he was in the beginning. Um, which is kind of what I think what Wynn means we were saying Kelly says this album will be appreciated more in 15 years. But what does this mean in Wynn's interpretation? So, like we said on Chemistry, they're making records for themselves. And like that, if we want to make dance music, we'll make dance music. If we want to put down the hurdy-gurdy and pick up drum machines, synthesizers and samples and Daft Punk, we're going to do it. And if this is what you as a general public or these fans call selling out then we're selling out because they have like they all have net worths of millions of dollars wins driving a ferrari in money plus love which he probably doesn't own but you know the image <laughs> he sits courtside for the pelicans and the rockets and whoever else he wants all the time they has season tickets for the pelicans i think, I think so. um and as big as they are, they're still independent, which is a big thing because by staying on Merge and by releasing on their own label, Sovenox, they're keeping their own rights, their profit, and creative control. And these are the people that they are. And I'm going to get into it way more in the lyrics, but, you know, the whole album is them saying they can't pretend that they're not these people. And they kind of made fun of us with that. To everyone who said they're making pop music with the fake corporation and all that, they're literally selling out to the point that they're a corporate entity. 
and they're a pop band because they're making pop music. And this album had way more radio play than any of the previous, like we Definitely. were saying with the, the number one album. And to the point that one of our dear and personal friends of the podcast Snapchatted me sometime like a month ago from a club where they were playing Creature Comfort. I, 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 yeah, I mean, would that be your top choice that like if any arcade i mean if any arcade fire song came on in a club that i was at it i'd be very surprised but would that be your number one choice of arcade fire club song no i'd get a remix i i don't know what remix i'd get unremix though unremix no uh, unremix song yeah i guess creature comfort would be out there like rebellion lies dun 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 well, that's the thing that's what my original like if i was to go i'd say i'd want rebellion lies remix in the club okay but no remix, I'd I'd say probably Creature Comfort, yeah. Mm. Or the I guess with the official Sprawl Two remix that kind of gets rid of all of the down parts. Yeah. Anyway, though, um, their music's playing in the club. They're on the radio, but with all of that, they're still sort of brushed off by mainstream pop for being you know quote unquote indie rock pretentious and more quotes hipster. But all of that, they're also being uh, shunned by the people who self-identify as fans of hip indie rock for selling out. So they kind of, they fit in neither. They aren't the bohemian kids worrying about life and death on funeral or the the angsty selves on the way on Neon Bible. They're not really growing up on the suburbs, and they're certainly not dealing with the identity crisis and self-reflection from Reflector. That's going to be a chuckle every time I say reflection on Reflector. They've reflected to a conclusion that... They can't pretend to be anything they aren't. They can't say that they're anything they aren't. They're Arcade Fire, a band that started in Montreal. They're a combination of their lives and experiences, and the music they make will always be a reflection of where they are, not where they were or will be. They're that sum of each individual part. They are now everything they've been, and they're everything now. And that is where it all comes together from that interview for me. Yeah, I like it. So, was that what you clipped for there? When you started off with the internal, audit? what interview was that from? Was that the Beach One Beats One? No, that was um, at Best Kept Secret Festival, probably in twenty twenty seventeen. Given that the album had already come out. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, want to go into the lyrics. Yeah, you go ahead. Every inch of sky's got a star. Every inch of skin's got a scar. I get that you got everything now. Every inch of space in your head is filled up with the things that you read. Guess that, you have, guess that you've got everything now. And every film that you've ever seen fills the spaces up in your dreams. That reminds me. Everything now. Everything now. What do you say? This is like, like just like you were talking about before, obviously this leads into the song. It's, there's a sense of completeness to, like, what's a band's goal? Like, most bands' goal is they, like, reach the sense of fame, and, like, that's what they've got now. They've got, like, when they're a startup band in the garage and a couple kids, it's like, oh, I want to be world famous. I want to have that number one hit. And here they are. Like, that, that's what you got now. You, this is what they have. They have everything they've always wanted. But I think as we see later in the song, it's kind of like, but is everything you really wanted still meaningful now? It's like, where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. And, like, m- like, really with the everything, it's not just, like, maybe you wanted to be big. Maybe you wanted other things. But they have everything they could have possibly wanted and not just what they wanted. Um, and again, like we talked about on Deep Blue, when goes back to that metaphor of the new age of technology and how we have access to everything, which uh, Mick Middles in his 2012 biography of the band, Arcade Fire Behind the Black Mirror, 
has talked about this is a theme Wynn has been touching on since the pre-funeral days. And so he talks about, you know, the ability to have access to everything and every part of you, of him and you, is being filled with everything. Um, and he reaches to the point that he and them too are everything. Like I said, all their experiences, all the stages in their lives are just this conglomerate together um, in the sense that we have access, I think the metaphor, we have access to all of this media and everything to consume is the same way in life that if we're a conglomerate of everything we take in, we're also this conglomerate of everything we've ever experienced and everything we still are experiences, experiencing. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I like how you pulled the quote from the black mirror behind the black mirror because it does show that like even though like the sound may be different than it was back in 2012 that like these are ideas that they kind of like have like reference and are building on and like they don't change just album to album like the sound does but like that the theme has been there yeah and yeah and in the sense like you he can't pretend otherwise that it's not there and that we have the ability to add to our experiences, you know, changing their sound or whatever. They can't pretend that they stopped growing at a point the same way that we can't, as people pretend that we stopped growing at a point and try to be one way forever, even if we really want otherwise, we're everything we experience. And I think that's how this album and this song starting the album off fits into that narrative that after the self-reflection on Reflector, they're saying that, we can't go back. We're no longer those kids, like I was saying. We're what we are now. It's kind of like, it's like, has anyone ever asked you, it's like, what age do you want to be for the rest of your life or something? And someone's like, oh, I want to be 16 or I want to be 22. It's like, I don't, I don't really think like that. It's like, you don't want to get stuck at one age, right? Because then mm-hmm. you're just like living the same thing. It's like going through life is kind of what is interesting, right? Because it keeps changing. You keep growing, I think. Thinking that like, oh, those were the good old days. But yeah, like, there are no good old days. Yeah, it's saying like the good old days never ended or, or never yeah. happened. We're always living the good old days because it's the only days we can live. Yeah. I'll read the next part. Go for it. Every inch of roads got a sign, and every boy uses the same line. I pledge allegiance to everything now. Every song that I've ever heard is playing at the same time. It's absurd, and it reminds me we've got everything now. We turn the speakers up till they break, because every time you smile, it's a fake. Stop pretending you've got everything e- now. I need it. Everything now. <laughs> I want it. Everything now. I can't live without Everything now. I can't live without it. Everything now. Everything now. Everything now. So just to go back into like the little, the verse there is I pledge allegiance to everything now. Like that's, that's like, it's, it's accepting. I think it's like, it's, it's interesting because it is accepting the idea that you have everything and like, it's like everything now corporation. Like that's, that's like when, the, when they're working for them in like the money and love video, that's what I think. Yeah. That they, um, they're pledging allegiance to that. I Like, they're saying that, oh, the whole everything now, that we're the corporate entity because we are, mm-hmm. like, they've realized, oh, we're this big pop entity that we've had everything we've ever wanted, and they're accepting it. Mm-hmm. And they're pledging allegiance to the corporation of what they are. I really like the turn the speakers up part. It's really hype when it's live, when Regine is like, that turn the speakers up till they break, wham! And it looks like Regine bangs her head on top of the piano. Yeah. Uh, when I saw the the Junos, my little sister, she was like, 
um, yeah, at that part, is she all right? She banged her head into the piano. I'm like, oh, that's just her artistic freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, something you really can't, like, get off the paper here as we talk about in the podcast is just how amazing the song is live. I think that's one thing that, like, Wynn kind of repeat, repeats in interviews when he talks about this new album. He says, yeah, some people don't like the new album. But he's like, but you go, then we perform it live and, like, everyone goes crazy. I think they do. Like, when they play this song live, it's like people go crazy. Yeah, and, and we joke about, like, oh, we don't like chemistry as much, but I mean, I didn't like infinite content that much. And then we saw it live and I like it more that, yeah, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe this is an album you need to experience live to truly appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And does that make them better or worse studio songs or a studio album? Maybe, maybe not, but that's how he wants it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm ready to go into my, my little like internal monologue oh, okay. about talking about how, because Wynn's interviewed, he's talked about the age of consumption, right, that we live in mm -hmm. right now in terms of art and media and how we feel this need to consume it. And that's why I hear, when I hear everything now, I need it, I want it, I can't live without it. Like that's like this, it's like art and media right now is like a drug because it's like you have this infinite content in front of you and you just want to like, you're just going through it. And what happens is, before the digital age, you had to, you either had to rent or you had to buy your music and DVDs, right? So it's like you put more effort in, right? Because since you bought them, now now you're gonna actually listen to them more than once, and you're gonna watch the movie and like really pay attention because you don't have a thousand other movies or a million other songs available at your fingertips, right? If I go on Netflix right now and I like watch the first ten minutes of a movie, I'm like, this is bad. I'll go to the next one. Whereas before, if you rented the movie, it's like, well, I, I rented it. I might as well just watch the whole thing, right? So I think that's kind of what he talks about in everything now and, like, this, like, how they've, they've moved. And now, now it's like, because I think music does need more, more than one listen. One thing I, I constantly do now is I'll, a band releases a new album. Like, oh, let's listen to the album. I'll listen to it once, but then I'll move on just because there's so much other music to listen to that I don't give it the second chance. I think lots of times albums do need a second chance. You do need to listen to it again to kind of like truly appreciate what it is. And for example, so my, my uncle works in the film industry here in Vancouver. They call it like the Hollywood North because we have so much tax credits for filming. So we just film so much here in Vancouver. And like it's a good city to film in as well. And like he says that ever since Netflix has started like, has started to gain really popular, filming in Vancouver is just like at a record peak right now. Because everyone just needs more series to binge. What happens is people will binge watch a series within one week. And what would have taken a year for someone to watch is all of a sudden it's in a week. And it's um, and then they move on to the next one. For, they want something for the next week. So now all of a sudden like these like production companies are putting out so many more TV series just because they need stuff to be watched. And th this all kind of started because there was an interview with uh, Wynn where he talks about how he was at a diner and kind of like the inspiration for the song a bit. He was at a diner and he overheard this lady saying, oh, uh, I just watched The Sopranos uh, like in a week or whatever. And she's like, it was, uh, she's like, oh, but it was only a B minus. And he talked about, well, that show was made over like six years or more. And, right? and like how most people truly like took it and like watched episode to episode and like really cared about it. And just because she watched in a week, she gave it a B minus. Like, can she give it a B minus? Like she didn't appreciate it. Like it was a binge watch. And like when you have everything at your fingertips, like this everything now, it's like, do you truly appreciate it? So that, yeah, it's like, it's like a drug. That's like, I can't live without it. It's just like this consistent need to like just watch things faster and faster. Yeah. No, no, you definitely. And, and, but not criticizing or condoning it, 
with his song. Like he's saying mm-hmm. all of that, but then he's saying like, I pledge allegiance. It is what it is. You know, yeah. I'm not going to, we can't, we can't say that like, oh, this is bad or it's where we are and we're not going to change that. And this is how our lives are now. Like I was, I recently did a big sweep of my iTunes and I deleted a whole bunch of stuff that I never listened to or like someone recommended, but I, I never did. And I have around 21,000 songs. Now, a large, large chunk of those are Springsteen live albums, which I can't live without. And <laughs> I got, went through them all and there are over 60 that I know every word to every song. And they're all like, they're really different in all sorts of genres because I have so much access to everything. And this is whole albums, every single word, every single song. And mind you, I mean, I might have more consumption than the average person just by virtue of the fact that we have the worst Arcade Fire podcast on the internet. Um, but, you know, is it bad? Like, well, I hope this doesn't end. I love music and I have the opportunity cons- to consume so much and I still listen to, like, this song is also my third most played Arcade Fire song at 150 plays. Um, and I guess probably more on the count of the single. But anyway, though, like, I think it's good because you can try so much like you don't have to sit through the bad movies you can but you don't have to um it's it's good and i think that with the pledge allegiance to everything now on this song at this point in the album he's saying that yeah this is where we are which i think how do you feel about that tying into like this idea that we have everything to the metaphor of that they are like everything of their past that like and how the same way that we have access to consume every kind of media we still every day have access to consume every new part of life and we're a conglomerate of our influences and a conglomerate of our experiences and that's where the two metaphors come together yeah i I agree with that i think it's really good i like I like, yeah, how, I mean, obviously it's like we talked about different points, right? You talked about how it's, how this new idea of having everything at your fingertips is good and how it, like, lets you access more. I talked about how maybe you don't access stuff as deeply. Mm. But, like, it's just, I don't know. I think the song kind of talks about both there, and I think it's... Good. Yeah, and I was much more leaning toward your argument, like, like before, um, not in the sense that I disagree, but I was researching more like that. But then that one interview really like helped me click about how he's putting those two together because in the beginning of that interview he talks about this stuff about consumerism and then goes into the the um how they're changing and people don't like them and I think that that's a big thing that clicked for him mm-hmm. which didn't quite click on reflector yet when they use that media media uh metaphor mm-hmm. but I think it really did click on this okay. You want to take the next one? Yes, after a quick break And we're back. Every inch of road's got a town. Daddy, how come you're never around? I miss you. And everything now. Mama, leave the food on the stove. Leave your car in the middle of the road. This happy family with everything now. We turn the speakers up till they break. Because every time you smile, it's a fake. Stop pretending you've got... So, the every inch of road's got a town. Daddy, how come you're never around? This lyric could have been on literally any of their albums. Like how we were saying that on Jack White's new album over and over could have been on any of his albums. This yeah. lyric, this is like break out the Arcade Fire <laughs> bingo card. Yeah. Towns, yup. Roads, yup. Fathers, yup. 
two more, you got a bingo, uh, assuming they're in line. Not only, yeah, not only would it fit on any album, it'd fit on any song. Like, you can pick basically any song from the suburbs. And Change it like, up a bit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> really. Um, I mean, it might be a bit out of place, but, like, you could be like, okay, yeah, I see how it fits in with the context of the album. Yeah. Um, everything Now. Oh, I need it. Everything now. I want it. Everything now. Can't live without it. Everything now. I can't live without it. Everything now. Everything now. Till every room in my house. Everything now. Is filled with... Everything now. Did I miscount? No. Oh, we we can can start that again. Um, Why don't you do the everything nows? Okay. Everything now. I need it. Everything now. I want it. Everything now. I can't live without. Everything now. I can't live without. Everything now. Everything now. Till every room in my house is f- everything now. Is full with. They're kind of concurrent. Right, same at the same time. <laughs> Three, two, one. I couldn't live with. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I couldn't live without. I need it. I can't live without. Mm-hmm. Everything now. Everything now. Everything now. And then the la 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 las. What do you have from this last or second last little bit? I, um, I'm not going to steal the everything in my house is filled because I know that's your favorite line in the song. You can talk about that one. I'm going to talk about my, for me, like the, the daddy and the mommy. It's almost like an advertisement for everything now. It's like I imagine like it coming on between like a soap opera. And now you got a uh, daddy, how come you're never around? I, I miss you and everything now. It's like, oh, I love everything now. Like that's a, Turn to the camera, turn holding to the up camera. the creature comfort cereal. <laughs> and then it's like, mama, leave the food on the stove. <laughs> we got everything Fire now. Hazard. We got everything now. It's like it's like a kid selling everything now. Yeah, which, I mean, there are the kids in the music video, but or we'll get to the music video later. Yeah. Um, yeah, the that's my favorite line the just the way he delivers it both times the till every room in my house is uh but beyond that these are the houses that we've grown up in on a funeral right and the houses we've come back to on the suburbs and these are the houses we've realized are full only of what we put into them and they're not really inherently full of anything and so we keep on living our lives and filling our houses with experiences and things we've lived until we aren't anymore. And there's the metaphor of consumerism in the digital age, that every moment of our lives is consumption of experiences and lived moments, and I need everything in my house that has made me who I am. I agree. Yeah, it's like it's bringing us right back to empty room. It's like the same idea. You go into the empty room and you fill it with what you want, right? Exactly. And this is now, it's like, now you've reached your peak and... You have everything, and you filled your room with everything, and you don't want to get rid of anything. But it's where do you go from here? Now it's full, and it's yeah. And on how empty room, she realizes that that an empty room is worse than a room of bad experiences, and that's what he's saying. That all the good, all the bad, all the indifferent, he can't live without it. We can't live without it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the stop pretending you've got. Everything now. I need it. I want it. I can't live without. I can't live without. I can't live. And every room in my house, everything now, is full with I couldn't live without. I need it. I can't live without. I can't live. Every inch of space in my heart is full of something I'll never start. The ashes of everything now. And then you're black again. Can't make it back again from everything now. What do you think of the last bit? 
Yeah, for the, like specifically the last bit about the black, it's kind of that's relating to everything now continued, which we'll talk about next episode because mm-hmm. that's how everything continued kind of starts and has those lyrics. Um, but yeah, the ashes of everything now is really interesting because that that's I mean like we talked about ashes last time in Empty Room as well, right? We talked about the black and gray mm-hmm. and how it's kind of like a fire burning. This is what you have you left over, right? Yeah, and. Like, that's the same thing here. It's just, like, the ashes of everything now is <laughs> what happens when you burn it all down. You have this room full of stuff you can't live about without, and then you have the ashes. Yeah, something that, um, as we... Everything I've said on this song, I stand for, like, this is where they are at this point in the album. Eventually, we're going to get to We Don't Deserve in a long, long time. We're going to get to We Don't Deserve Love, where they're saying that if you can't see the forest for the trees, then burn it all down, where... I mean, we're going to get to it eventually, but kind of, I think the idea maturing into if you can't see the good from the bad and specific things from the, the, the parts from the whole, then get to the black again and the ashes. But that's getting a bit ahead of ourselves. I think that, so the music video for the song is in the desert. And up until now, we've discussed that they use the imagery of water and the ocean and the seas as the place to wash away your sins, to be free. You know, where there's no end in sight. And the desert is the opposite of water. The desert is set and definitive and mountains beyond mountains. And it's where they are in this point in the album and at this point in their lives. They're burning and burning and back. And you're not going back to where you are. But, you know, hey, the sound isn't awful. You can't make it back. But here we are in our full room. Yeah, to give some quick facts on the Everything Now music video. It was released June 1st, 2017, same time as the single. It was directed by The Sacred Egg. And mm. it. I looked up some of her other stuff. She did some videos for Royal Blood, another indie band, and other music videos as well. I think it's a her. I actually don't. They. Is it they? Is it a group? Oh, collective? Sh- I don't know. But was it them? Them. Uh starts so uh, yeah so what it does is the music video actually starts with everything now continued which the song doesn't on the record i mean because it has it ahead of it the single doesn't uh the entire time it kind of like what i like about the video is the entire time that contrast kids being kids in this new kind of dystopian age right so in the background you have people in white hazmat suits walking through the desert but then there's also kids playing like having fun and sitting on rocks and stuff and my favorite image is you have multiple rockets being launched in the background, like a nuclear war type situation, and you have just kids kind of sitting there watching it. I think that's a very arcade fire. Like I even think of like the suburbs era. <laughs> this like, is our like, lives now. This is yeah. It's like you know, it's kids are kids. They have that sort of like spirit and fun in them, and you know, yeah, even in dystopian age. Yeah, a constant theme through the arc. Another arcade fire bingo thing, kids. Having fun, even in the dystopian age. That's four. We almost got bingo. <laughs> uh, um, I'm ready for the ratings if you are. So am I. So one of our dear listeners, Harriet, she wrote in about the song and gave us a rating she used. Um, she said speakers turned up till they break, and she gives it a five. And I'm right there with her. Five speakers turned up till they break. Five rooms full of physical copies of this album that I can't live without. Because, uh, yeah, I, I have the, I bought the, I pre-ordered the Everything Now bundle for this album, and it came with 
the day version of the record, the night version of the record, the day version of the CD, the night version of the CD, and the cassette. And when we went to the concert, each ticket came with a CD copy. So I have mine and then another one of a friend who didn't want it. So I now have five copies of this on CD, two copies of the record, and a cassette. And uh, <laughs> like it was one of those, yep, when you got me, that's, <laughs> I, I, I get it. Yeah. Five rooms of physical copies of this album I can't live without. What more is there to say? Every episode of the show we've done so far has been leading up to this. What about you, Owen? Yeah, I mean, add this one to the record boards. I gave it uh, five boys using the same lines out of uh, five. A Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer. I think the second one since Afterlife. Let me consult the official list, but keep going. while. Yeah, so this one is just, it's a great pop hit. Arcade Fire went out there and they were like, Let's write a pop hit, and they did it. They did it. They wrote a great song. It just, I'm just like listening to it as I get ready for like the, this podcast, this episode. I was just tapping my toe with it because it's like it just gets it gets me going. Oh, it's my alarm in the morning. I should yeah. mention that earlier. Like, um, it's the ultimate. Like for me, what surrounds the song is almost as important as the song itself. Is I remember I set the scene in here about a year ago, just over a year ago. Round now, it's Alex and I. Are, eagerly awaiting this new album that's going to be we know is coming and all of a sudden a video comes up online of this guy this kid who uh or a guy i mean not a kid but like he ran from the primavera music festival to the local vinyl store it's just so that everyone in the world could listen to this new song that arcade fire had just put out he puts it down on the on the and and plays it out for everyone online and it's like that moment like hearing the song is like oh my god they're back, right? That it's like it's yeah. been it's been what like just almost four years since Reflector came out, and like it's like now they're back, and like to me like that's what the song is about. It's like listening like that like that feeling of like oh my god they're back. It and was so exciting. Um, and hey man, if you if you're the the person who did this, if you're listening, we would love to have you on. Um, yeah, I remember like showing you, and it was just that like bad quality, and the people in the record store were talking in the background. I remember listening to it and eventually fading into like when every instrument cuts out except his voice at the end and it was like just just pure excitement and it I feel like that's one of the, like we can't we just as we can't erase any experiences in our lives we can't say that that excitement doesn't influence how much we like this song. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's why it's like these are our ratings too. It's not like we aren't like we aren't some music magazine saying, "Oh, you should listen to this song because it's a uh, technically better than the other song." It's like, no, we're uneducated, is- biased, and the worst Arcade Fire podcast on the internet. So, like, that's why we say, like, "Oh, this is for me. This is a five, and that's yeah. that's one of the reasons. And then, um, so uh, next podcast, next episode, we're doing everything now continues, right? Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say first that this is the second oh. song in the Hall of Fame. The first was Afterlife. Because you've only given out two fives to that and this, whereas I give a five to Antichrist, and I also give a five to City with No Children, and a five to Culture War, and a five to Electric Blue. Um, yeah, next time we will be having a, a like almost a double header of everything now continued and everything underscore now continued. So I was just thinking. Why don't, if you're listening to this, send in some emails or messages about your theories or your conspiracy theories on everything now or anything everything now related or not even everything now related. Since our episode's going to be a little bit shorter because 
obviously there's a little bit less to talk about. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah, warning. So, but yeah, if you have anything, hit us up at our email, which is... We plugged at the beginning all the stuff, but yeah, arcadefirealphabet at gmail.com or any of our other ones. We plugged it all on the, on the beginning. Find us at arcadefirealphabet.com as well. Um, no, our email is arcadefirealpha at gmail.com. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that'd be, we'd love to hear those conspiracy theories. Thanks, Harriet, for already sending in yours and some others, but... Um, We'd love to hear more. We'd love to discuss that. Anyway, see you then. Yeah, see you.